right, I've had about enough of this cold, cold weather. Time to bring on spring, bring on summer. Oh, yes, we're ready for that. Welcome into the Y'all Show. Hope you're bundled up and ready for two hours of great Southern talk. I'm John Rawl, and this is the Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern accent on the web. Our website is y'all.com. On today's Y'all Show, we've got, well, we're going to warm you up. How about that? We've got some nice warm doses of southern goodness to bring your way we've got headlines from across the region coming up we also have a look at some festivals going on in what we hope will be a little bit warmer part of february february will be here this weekend are you ready you'll be here tomorrow exactly to be uh, quite exact for you so that's coming up february is here essentially and we'll have information on festivals and we've got from wallet hub the best and worst cities for football fans to talk about before we get out of here. And a lot of this ties into travel, and I'm just going to kind of go off on Wild Hub about some of the cities they've got listed because, frankly, I don't know where they were doing their research, but some of those cities are way up there, in my opinion. Of course, some of them I have a personal connection to, and we'll share that info later this hour in our Festive South part of the show And then we'll turn the page to hour two, and that's a great way to describe turning the page because we'll be talking books at the beginning of hour two in our Buy the Book feature. We've got the New York Times bestsellers right now. We've got a bunch of new books to tell you about, a couple of presidential contenders with books out there right now. We'll discuss all that at the start of hour two. And then as we roll on with the show, we'll bring on an expert on LSU Tiger Sports Billy Gamilla of the website andthevalleyshook.com. And Gamilla is going to come on and talk about the top 20 LSU basketball team and LSU, which had a pretty good season in 2018 on the football field. What's Coach O going to do this year? And how are the Tigers looking in terms of football recruiting? As National Signing Day is Wednesday of this coming week, February 6th. And Billy Gamilla talking about Ed Orgeron and the Bayou Bengals of LSU all that in hour two. Our number here on the Y'all Show, if you've got an LSU question you want to pose or you've got anything else Southern you want to get off your chest, our number 803-816-1170, 803-816-1170. You can call or text anytime you want to. We just love, love to hear from you. And of course, as Coach Orgeron would say, go Tigers. All right, looking at headlines, and it's, it's kind of hard to do headlines right now when we start talking about the weather as the first headline to get to. I've got a fun story coming from Huntsville, Alabama to tell you about momentarily. But as many of you have had temperatures, some in the single digits, some in the teens, and just about all of you, at least below freezing this week, we have had quite a cold spell. I think I saw where Chicago this week had the second lowest temperature ever recorded in the Windy City. And negative 40 in some places, I think I saw negative 50, minus 50, somewhere in the Minnesota, Wisconsin area. Cold, cold, cold weather this time of year. But it does give us a reason to go back in the archives of the Y'all Show and see what we can dig up. Is this the coldest time we've experienced? No, it's not. In fact, I have a listing of the coldest temperatures ever recorded in all of America. And the number that shocks me is that at one point, I don't know when, But in Montana, they once had a reading of negative 70, minus 70 degrees. 
and that was in Rogers Pass, Montana, on January 20th, 1954. Whew, that's pretty darn cold. Now, we didn't have a minus 70 anywhere in Dixie, but we do have some pretty darn cold numbers. In fact, every southern state has had negative temperatures at some point. Even, yes, even in the Sunshine State, they once had a minus two reading. So here's, I'm going to kind of surf the south. We'll start, eh, you want to go east to west? Sure, why not? We'll start in Maryland and work our way to Texas. And it looks like Maryland has had a reading of minus 40. West Virginia, minus 37. Virginia, minus 30. North Carolina, minus 34. Hard to believe North Carolina would have a lower temp than Virginia, but that's the case there. Quite a difference between North and South Carolina. The lowest temperature reading in the Palmetto state of South Carolina is a minus 19 as compared to its northern neighbor at minus 34. Georgia is minus 17, the lowest temperature reading ever. Not this week, just in the history of the region. I'm going to come back to Florida. We'll keep going with our states. Kentucky, your lowest temperature reading is a minus 37. The volunteer state of Tennessee, minus 32. In Alabama, minus 27. Mississippi, minus 16. And in Missouri, a border state, minus 40, a reading once there. That ties Maryland. See, I knew these two states had something in common besides being honorary Southerners. Well, we, we in some parts, they're pretty Southern. Some, they're very not very Southern at all. They're more Yankee states. But they both are minus 40 readings in their history. Arkansas, minus 29. And Louisiana, a minus 16, the lowest temperature recorded there. Oklahoma, minus 31. Texas, its lowest reading on the temperature scale. It was a negative 23 at one point. And now that brings us back to Florida. And Florida once had a reading of minus 2. The Sunshine State, minus 2. That's pretty darn cold. Every U.S. state, except one, has had temperatures dip below freezing. Not just below freezing, below zero degrees into the negatives. No surprise that one state is Hawaii. The lowest temperature ever recorded in the Aloha state is 12 degrees. Now, I don't know if any of these low readings this week will be becoming all-time lows. I doubt it, at least in the south. But it's pretty cold. But imagine being in a place like Tennessee, where it once was 32 degrees below zero. Or in let's say texas where it was minus 23 in fact friends in mississippi it was so darn cold do you know how cold it was in mississippi it was so cold it was too below <laughs> that's a joke too below too below okay all right enough of my humor but yeah it's it's darn cold and hopefully most of you will have some more livable temps coming your way very very soon perhaps even today we hope that is the case now in north alabama they have had a long time cbs affiliate there whnt channel 19 and at channel 19 in huntsville in the tennessee valley they have a meteorologist jason simpson that works there at that station covering all things huntsville and tennessee valley news and weather and sports and 
he has had to go out and apologize to his audience, the WHNT audience. And he apologized because he forecast several inches of snow and more dreadful winter weather in North Alabama this week. And it just didn't materialize. In fact, the most that I saw coming in from that part of Alabama was a dusting of snow. So Simpson went on Twitter earlier this week and said, I do not like being wrong, but I can admit when I am. I'm sorry that this was a big miss. It wasn't for lack of effort. I can count on my hands the number of times this has happened in my 19 years. One was almost identical about 12 years ago, and it came to mind while trying to communicate this one. I'll get to hear about it from my own kids who were excited. So there isn't much you can say that will sting more than their disappointment. Why did I go along with it? I thought, and he keeps talking, but he has a a major, major apology. In fact, he brings in some football talk into his apology on Twitter. He said, why did I go along with it? I thought it would happen. I'm sure if you ask Nick Saban, he thought his plan for the national championship would have brought him home the trophy. It didn't. Our analysis was similar, and it feels similar. Okay, guy, take it easy. Come off the ledge there, Jason Simpson at WHNT in Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah, you missed it. And a lot of people were wanting to go play out in the snow this week. You missed this one. Just don't miss the next one. In fact, his fellow, fellow meteorologist in the Yellowhammer State, a guy that's known all over not only Alabama but the South for his weather skills, but just a, a, a likable guy, James Spann. On Twitter, James Spann is at S-P-A-N-N. I think he's even been sent in some movies and such, James Spann. I've heard him speak at a church one time. Terrific guy. Longtime weatherman in Alabama. But he replied back to this saying, ha, ha, ha. I will be doing a mean tweets video tonight. It will be good. James Spann having a little fun at Jason Simpson's misfire when predicting a snow apocalypse for north alabama that just didn't come to be that's that's a good thing jason now an update from bowling green kentucky senator Rand paul of kentucky has been awarded more than five hundred and eighty thousand dollars after his neighbor attacked him we told you about this earlier this week renee boucher is his neighbor he attacked him a couple of years ago and now a jury there has awarded Rand paul nearly six hundred thousand dollars in damages and medical expenses in his lawsuit against the neighbor who had tackled him and broke several of his ribs in a dispute over lawn maintenance you better watch out for those disputes over lawn maintenance and in this case this jury which deliberated less than two hours before delivering the award to the republican lawmaker and now he's got that he also has another suit in front of his old neighbor and the jury awarded $375,000 in punitive damages and $200,000 for pain and suffering, plus another $7,800 for medical expensive expenses. Just a really ugly situation there in Bowling Green of neighbors fighting over yard maintenance. And now one of them is going to have to pony up nearly $600,000. And I do believe Mr. Boucher is actually a Dr. Boucher. Perhaps he has plenty of money to pay for this. Now, if you know anything about South Carolina's history post-World War II, you know that a lot of people worked and still do at the Savannah River plant. That is a nuclear plant not far from Augusta, Georgia, on the 
east side of the Savannah River in South Carolina, a very remote part of South Carolina, but really close to Augusta. Well, evidently, our government has secretly shipped plutonium from the Savannah River plant to Nevada on trains. And the Department of Energy has revealed that it did secretly ship weapons-grade plutonium from Savannah River site to a nuclear site, a nuclear security site in Nevada, even though Nevada had been protesting that this could happen. Our people in Nevada were protesting. And the Justice Department notified a federal judge in Reno, Nevada, that the government trucked in the radioactive material to store at the site, which is 70 miles north of Las Vegas. But some of this plutonium leaving the south. Goodbye, plutonium. Of course, you got to have that to help make an atomic bomb. And I know growing up in the Palmetto State, we all I grew up a county away from this nuclear site. And the theory was that the Russians always had nuclear weapons aimed at the Savannah River nuclear plant because in the event of war, they would want to knock out our country's nuclear arsenal. And I, I'm pretty sure we, we made a lot of nuclear weapons in the Savannah River plant in South Carolina, right on the Georgia line. Essentially, if Russia ever did attack, it would take out that site, but it also would take out probably most of South Carolina and Georgia and maybe surrounding states if it was all one big giant nuclear bomb as a result of the attack. Luckily, that did not happen, and we're seeing hopefully less nuclear weapons being made. But in this case, the plutonium that's used in atomic energy getting out of the south and heading to nevada where they didn't really want it there either not sure what to make of that speaking of the peach state georgia is having a push for the equal rights amendment now that's is a something that's a blast from the past if you need a reminder the equal rights amendment is a proposed amendment to the u.s constitution and it's designed to guarantee equal legal rights for all american citizens regardless of sex And it seeks to end the legal distinctions between men and women in terms of divorce, property, employment, and other matters. And this thing actually was originally written way back in 1921, it was proposed. And it was ratified in a bunch of states in the 1970s, and then it kind of died. But it's now kind of coming back to life. In fact, in 2017, speaking of Nevada, it was ratified there, ratified in Illinois last year. And now in Georgia, the Equal Rights Amendment is up for that state, and it could possibly become the 38th state to ratify the ERA. And supporters say it would usher it across the constitutional threshold for ratification, and it's got the backing of some prominent Republicans in Georgia. And so we could see a a new amendment to the Constitution because of something in Georgia, as after nearly 100 years, perhaps, the Equal Rights Amendment becomes a reality. Now, I don't know enough about the maneuvering of amendments to the Constitution. You would think that something that kind of died 30 years ago wouldn't be brought back to life. But, yeah, if you want to go in the weeds and read how this could potentially become a law or become the law of the land through an amendment, it is it is up for discussion right now in Georgia and will be fun to see if it indeed goes. Remember, Georgia has a Republican-dominated state legislature so i don't know i would think those pushing for the era more than others would be liberal democrats you may see republicans jumping aboard this just as easy as democrats 
and Georgia becoming the 38th state to ratify the ERA. little political history here on the Y'all Show. A gas station clerk has stopped a would-be robbery suspect with a chokehold in Florida, and a man is wanted there for this robbery spree that went over a couple of locations in a 30-minute time span, and a gas station clerk ended up putting him in a chokehold after the robber demanded money. The man, who is, I think, still on the loose, described to be a white male in the 60s, he hit three Port Ritchie, Florida businesses this week, and he was demanding an undisclosed amount of money. And the first he went to, the first place was a Regions Bank drive through window, and he drove away empty-handed from that. And this is when he went to the Sunoco food mart and met some resistance there. And the store clerk, Rob Ray, said, the fellow walked up to me, walked straight up to the counter, looked at me straight in the face and said, I've got a gun. Give me your money. And Mr. Ray said, at first, I was a little taken aback. And I asked, what did you say to me? And he said, I got a gun. Give me your money. And that's when Ray, uh, the cameras caught Ray coming around the country and putting the suspect coming around the counter putting the suspect on a chokehold before dragging him out of the store (laughs) now that's some good southern justice there taking place in port ritchie florida by sunoco food clerk sunoco food mart worker rob ray a clerk there in port ritchie that's that guy needs to be handsomely rewarded for his bravery and getting that idiot out of store now that idiot now needs to be arrested we have a Super Bowl going on at an unbelievable stadium this weekend, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in downtown Atlanta. Now, let's not forget, the first so-called dome of any magnitude built in the U.S. was the Astrodome in Houston, Texas. And this relic from the 1960s, can you believe it's still alive and going? But not a lot of activity there in Houston with the Astrodome. And an official in Harris County, Texas, is now raising questions about how a $105 million plan to redevelop the Astrodome into a parking garage and events venue. And this project could go forward. Now, the Astrodome is right there beside NRG Stadium, home of the Houston Texans football team. They're side-by-side in Houston, and for the most part, it hasn't been used much at all. Now, I do remember going back to 2005. Do you know what it was used for? The Astrodome was used as a refuge center for Hurricane Katrina refugees. And so it has had some use, but I know it was run down a good bit by then, and it was run down even more after the Katrina refugees left it. But last year in Harris County, commissioners approved renovations that include 1400 parking spaces and upgrades for music festivals and other events and crews began preparing the astrodome for redevelopment in october would love to see this thing have some kind of life i'd hate to see the astrodome go down in flames like the georgia dome has in atlanta right next to mercedes-benz stadium astrodome so such a big part of history in fact it is the central stadium in one of the great movies of my childhood bad news bears remember when they went to the i guess championship they played that at the astrodome bad news bears great family movie and maybe that's something if you have a youngster you should go find on netflix or wherever it might be and show them a little great movie of how movies used to be made now one thing you could possibly do with your kid besides watching 
bad news bears is to go fishing fishing i think is a state law in tennessee i think every tennessee citizen is forced to fish at least that's the way it seems but pay attention all you folks in tennessee and we'll throw in georgia and alabama on this list of you better be paying attention to this story as federal officials have given a threatened status to a fish that's smaller than your little finger but swims upstream to spawn like salmon the tri-spot darter is found in parts of the coosa river basin in southeastern tennessee north georgia and north alabama and it's less than two inches long and lives about two to two and a quarter years and adults spend from april to october in the slow-moving water along river edges and u.s fish and wildlife service officials announced this week that it had declared the fish threatened says people and businesses have until february 26 to comment on proposed critical habitat and proposed exemptions for the tri-spot darter in the coosa river basin of tennessee georgia and alabama this really small fish i doubt too many good old boys want to go out trying to catch this thing and cooking it up not a whole lot there but it is possibly threatened and we'll see what the u.s fish and wildlife service ends up doing with this whole dilemma of the fish being threatened but don't go fishing for tri-spot daughters anytime soon if you're in that part of the south and in stillwater oklahoma they've had a basketball program there that's had success they won some national championships a long time ago i think back in the 40s when oklahoma a&m was able to win but now oklahoma state They've had some ups and downs on the hoops court. Well, this is a black eye for the program as former Oklahoma State assistant basketball coach Lamont Evans pleaded guilty on Wednesday to accepting $22,000 in bribes to convince NBA-destined athletes to team up with favored financial advisors. And the plea deal comes in Manhattan in New York City and the federal court charged him with a single count of conspiracy to commit bribery sentencing for evans is set for may 10th a plea deal with prosecutors recommends a sentence of up to two years in prison and he also has to forfeit twenty two thousand dollars but i think all this ties into a ongoing investigation of college basketball which has its dirty areas and perhaps we're seeing at oklahoma state a dirty area where money's involved and remember louisville got caught up in a big mess but at oklahoma state former assistant coach lamont evans now pleading guilty on this plot to bribe young kids and get them set up as they head on to the nba we have more headlines from across the south coming your way in fact when we come back we've got an update on former Georgia Democratic gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams. She's in the news, and she's going to be in the news even more next week. We'll tell you why after the break. This is The Y'all Show. When I have a cold sore, I want something that works. Purpose and L penetrates deep to treat your cold sore, and it's enriched with lysine, vitamins, and lemon balm for soothing relief. But even when I don't have a cold sore, I still want something that protects against a flare-up. Purpose and L protects against certain triggers caused by the sun and cold, including flare-ups from sun damage with its added SPF 30 protection. So it treats and protects. Works for me. And me too. 
Herpes and L. Works when you have a cold sore. Works when you don't. Use as directed. And now, a quick comparison from Grasshopper. When you're always on the go, what would you prefer? An office phone system? Hey, it's Rochelle. Sorry I missed you earlier. Had an errand to run, but I'm back in the office, so give me a call when you get this. Or one that works on your cell phone. No hardware needed, courtesy of Grasshopper. Oh, one sec. It's a business call. Hi, this is Rochelle with WayForward Partners. How can I help? There's no contest. Put your best voice forward with Grasshopper, the virtual phone system for small business. Try it free at grasshopper.com. Welcome back. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent with John Rawl. We've got a look at some of the worst cities in the entire South for football fans. We'll tell you about that in the next segment. And, of course, in hour two, speaking of football, we'll have LSU expert Billy Camilla of the website and thevalleyshook.com. He'll stop by to talk all things Bayou Bengals football. Coach O, go Tigers. And we'll give you an update on LSU basketball, which is in the top 20 right now. All that in hour two of today's y'all show back into the headlines stacy abrams nearly won the governor's race in georgia in 2018 she lost to brian kemp and now coming up next week she's going to have the democratic response to a state of the union address from president donald trump and she'll as she'll be the first black woman to deliver the democratic response to the state of the union in picking abrams the georgian who narrowly lost her bid to be the nation's first black woman governor Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer is reflecting the party's hope to win future elections with appeals to women and people of color. Once again, the Democrats playing the old check mark of women and people of color. They love to play that kind of identity politics, and here they are checking off two. Plus, Abrams is a homosexual, so they can check off the gay crowd there with her black woman and gay. A triumvirate, a grand slam, even though it was only three and not uh, four four checks there. But yeah, Abrams, 45 years old, she represents the growing political cloud of black women. And black women will play a major role in choosing the Democratic nominee for president in 2020, especially when they come south to places like South Carolina. You'll see that be really the group that votes more than any in the Democratic primary, black women, that is. Stacey Abrams, watch for her next week, given the Democratic response to the State of the Union. Governor Phil Bryant in Jackson, Mississippi. He's the governor of the great state of Mississippi, and he signed legislation on Wednesday, which he created the Mississippi Broadband Enabling Act. He signed this at the Capitol in Jackson. The measure gives the state's 25 electric cooperatives the right to form subsidiaries to offer broadband Internet service. And that removes a ban on the member-owned utilities getting into other businesses. So more competition in Mississippi for people wanting to get on the Internet. Now, those electrical cooperatives, of course, spread all over the state. And I know, as a former resident of the great state of Mississippi, the sovereign state of Mississippi, as we say there, that a lot of small companies have kind of had a monopoly on the whole internet provider deal for a long time, going back to the 90s even. So now that electric cooperatives can kind of get in the business of offering internet service, 
think I think it's a good thing. I think this is just making Mississippi a lot like the rest of the nation. Do we really want that to happen? Do we really want Mississippi to be like everybody else? Eh, I think Mississippians generally like kind of be a little different. <laughs> but here in this case, Mississippi is going to get on that information superhighway just like everybody else. And now, if you're a resident of the Magnolia State, hopefully your bills will start going down a little bit with competition. And isn't this a good thing? It's hard to believe, but it wasn't. But five, eh, maybe longer than five, maybe 10, certainly 20 years ago, if you wanted to communicate with someone, you really only had one choice, and that was through the phone company. The phone companies were your only place to communicate. And then the Internet came out. But the phone companies, and we saw deregulation on that industry, and now you have all kinds of ways to even make telephone calls, and you have different companies that deal with telephone call making, mostly because of cell phones. But, yeah, we've seen the breaking down of this stuff for a while, and can't you – I mean, you, you've seen firsthand, if you looked at a phone bill in the last 20 years – your rate should be down dramatically. Keeping it in the Magnolia State, prisoners there, well, they could be going through a wardrobe change real soon as striped prison uniforms might be a thing of the past in Mississippi. And this follows a 25-year history that state lawmakers required clothing with convict lettered across the back and horizontal stripes on their prison uniforms. That's been a rule in mississippi but on wednesday a house corrections committee passed house bill 1287 which would mandate solid colored uniforms for prisoners and it goes to the house for more debate the department of Corrections spends more than six hundred thousand dollars annually on uniforms and a one-time changeover could cost about four hundred thousand dollars more I kind of like the striped uniforms for prisoners, don't you? It's pretty cool. I have been in Mississippi and seen prisoners in those sometimes black and white prison uniforms walking the streets, picking up trash, and it reminds you of the old movies and such. It's, I was just talking about, does Mississippi want to join the rest of the country? Well, here's something I hope they don't. I would love to see striped uniforms on these prisoners, and I'm actually sort of pleasantly surprised for mississippi residents that sick they got a lot of prisoners in mississippi just like every southern state has lots of people behind bars but six hundred thousand dollars on uniforms for an entire year for a large inmate population i'm surprised that number's not even higher that sounds like a pretty good deal there of course they ought to make them make their own uniforms of course they grow a lot of cotton in mississippi i guess Cotton uniforms would be okay for prisoners, but you got to be careful these days. Got to make sure the prisoners are comfortable and give all the other perks to them. But striped uniforms may be going away if this thing keeps going through the halls of the state legislature in beautiful downtown Jackson, Mississippi. All right. KFC has begun experimenting with something called a Cheetos sandwich. Uh, two things most every southerner loves kfc kentucky fried chicken and cheetos who doesn't like cheetos but this could be a partnership and it could be something made in heaven kfc unveiled a cheetos chicken sandwich this week and it's a spin on the chain's crispy kernel sandwich only with cheetos and a cheetos cheese sauce thrown into the sandwich 
It's being offered in a limited form in markets in Richmond and Roanoke, Virginia, Greensboro and Raleigh, North Carolina, and in Greenville, South Carolina. I got to go to Green Vegas and try out this new Cheetos chicken sandwich. If it catches on in Richmond and Roanoke and Greensboro and Raleigh and Greenville, it could be made available nationwide. Of course, KFC is a part of Yum Brands, and that company not only has KFC, they also own Taco Bell and Pizza Hut. And we see what Pizza, uh, rather Taco Bell, they've teamed up with some like nachos, chips with their taco shells and stuff. And I think that's been a great partnership. So it, it could be a great thing for KFC. The Cheetos sandwich looks good enough to eat for me. All right. A, a man in Florida says that he spent time in jail several weeks, in fact, and he shouldn't have been there. He was jailed for six weeks in Martin County, Florida, and he was jailed for what they thought was heroin. But according to this man, and I think there's a good chance that 29-year-old Matt Cruel might be telling the truth here, but it could be instead of heroin that he had, he, he had a misidentified bag of laundry detergent, and he spent six weeks in jail. A deputy tested the bag that was found inside the man's van and told Krull that it was heroin, but it was actually laundry detergent now, looking back. And he was actually arrested and charged with trafficking heroin. Bond set at a half million dollars. And he is now out. And he said, it's very surreal when you're sitting in jail with a half million dollar bond and you can't go anywhere knowing that you didn't do wrong. The officer who arrested Krull Deputy Stephen O'Leary was fired after an investigation found he had jailed about 11 innocent people on drug charges. And this man, Matt Kroll, was one of them. Poor guy. You just want to have nice laundry detergent in your van, and then you go to jail for six weeks and have a half-million-dollar bond just because you had some Tide in the back instead of heroin. War Eagle, how about this? A junior at Auburn University is your 2019 Hooters calendar cover girl. And she's Miss Hooters International. Congratulations to 21-year-old Lakin Baumgardner. And she's actually, I think, from Georgia. She lives in Douglasville, Georgia, but she's a student at Auburn. And she's been working at Hooters for a while. She says it pays for her school and that Hooters offers tuition reimbursement for all their employees. How about that? Way to go, Hooters. But sure enough, Lakin's... The cover girl on this brand new Hooters calendar, I need to pick up a copy of that right now. I haven't put up a calendar in a long time. Have you? We've gotten so lazy with these smartphones, we kind of have a calendar at our disposal at all times, but there's still something special about having a calendar up on the wall and the the kind of fun of turning that page every month to a brand new month. But if I, if I had Lake and Bumgardner on my calendar, I don't know if I'd turn the page. She's beautiful. There are some pretty girls on the plains of Auburn, and she's one of them, even though she's a Georgia girl by birth. War Eagle to you, Lake and Bum Gardner. Hooters girl, Hooters International, and Cover Girl. All right, a man in my grandmother's hometown of Swansea, South Carolina. That's in the same county I grew up, Swansea, S-W-A-N-S-E-A. A man struck a Mr. Miyagi pose that's from the movie karate kid and he did this before stealing a purse according to law enforcement officials i believe it's the lexington county sheriff's department 
that patrols in Swansea. And this man broke out the pose and then stole a purse. And he was spotted on surveillance video at a BP gas station there in Swansea. And I, I don't know who it was. They're, I think, still looking for this wannabe karate master. And this is a stealing from the 1984 movie. And he did this there in Swansea. Investigators wrote online that thanks to the public's help, the man was positively identified and that warrants are forthcoming. So that's good news. I still don't know his name. I can't quite tell if he's one of my relatives. Hopefully not. (laughs) But channeling Mr. Miyagi, who is, what is that guy's name? Pat? I know it's Pat Morita, I think was that character's name. And... And he was an actor in a bunch of stuff. He died several years ago. I believe he might have been on Hawaii Five O as well. How about that? I'm pulling the old Pat Morita. I believe that is his name. I'll look it up during the break. But Mr. Miyagi in that movie that I still remember going to the theater to see Karate Kid. And even the follow-up to that. Our final story from the Southeast is from the Boot Hill of Missouri. And congratulations to the Ainsworths. Leon and Aline Ainsworth. They were married on January 30th, 1944. Yesterday, they celebrated, yes, their 75th wedding anniversary in Cape Girardeau. What a great, great thing. They celebrated. They had cake, sweet treats, and had friends and family. What a great thing. They celebrated at Chateau Girardeau in Cape Girardeau, (laughs) right on the Mississippi River. And this great couple, the Ainsworth, 75 years of wedding happiness and, and marriage and great stuff there from the Boot Hill of Mizzou. Well, that's a look at our headlines. Hope you enjoyed that. And again, congratulations to the Ainsworth. When we come back, we're going to talk some football and some festivals. How about that? As we wrap up hour one of this y'all show with your host, the General John Rawl. There's never been a better time to switch to Sprint Unlimited and enjoy a great wireless plan at an amazing price. For a limited time, make the switch to Sprint and get your third, fourth, and fifth lines free. That means five lines of Unlimited for just $20 per month per line. That's a savings of more than $1,000 your first year over Verizon and AT&T. Hurry to a Sprint store, visit Sprint.com Unlimited, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Make the switch to Sprint today and get your third, fourth, and fifth lines free. That's five lines of Unlimited for just $20 per month per line from Sprint, a network built for Unlimited. This is a limited-time offer, so act now. After 131-2020, pay $32 per month per line for five lines of Unlimited Basic with AutoPay. Savings compared to Verizon Go Unlimited and AT&T Unlimited and more for five lines. Features differ. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Subject to credit and $30 activation fee. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Baby, try. 
It's the Y'all Show, talking with a southern accent. We do that each and every day on a network of stations across the southeast and on our social media platforms, including Apple Podcasts. We appreciate everybody listening to our show and go into iTunes and find the Y'all Show. It's a free download. All you got to do is click subscribe. It will come to your smartphone or your iPad each and every day, free of charge. You don't have to think about it. It does the hard work for you. Apple Podcasts, check it out, all of our shows. And again, next week, we'll be having our 150th episode of The All Show. We'll have a big celebration as we broadcast from Water Valley, Mississippi. In fact, I'll go ahead and tell you, we'll be in Water Valley next week with some shows. And then the following week, that second week of February, we're going to be in Nashville, Tennessee. It's the Country Radio Seminar. I just got credentialed. We're going to be doing some great interviews alongside Precious Harris and more as we're in Nashville for the Country Radio Seminar, the 50th Country Radio Seminar taking place in the second week of February, and we'll be in Music City for that. So exciting stuff as the Y'all Show hits the road. We want you to hit the road here in our Festive South. We've got a good country singer singing there, Susie Bogus, to bring us back from break. And we want you to drive south. We want you to go check out some great stuff across the region. And here's a few things for you to keep in mind, not far from Nashville. This weekend, it's the Southern Invitational Truck and Tractor Pool going on in Murfreesboro. SouthernMotorsports.net is the website for that. In Pensacola, it's the Double Bridge Run taking place this weekend. The website, DoubleBridgeRun.com. Next week in Covington, Tennessee, it's the Covington Chocolate Tour 2019 that takes place there. You can go to tnvacation.com and find out more info on that. In Stewart, Florida, February 9th and 10th, it's the 32nd Annual Arts Fest. In Sapphire, North Carolina, on the February 17th date, it's the Sapphire Valley Great Outhouse Races. <laughs> I think I might need to go over to Sapphire and participate in that one. The Outhouse Race is going on there at Sapphire Valley Great Outhouse Race race 2019 february 18th through the 24th in brooksville florida it's the florida bluegrass classic the website for that is evansmediasource.com evansmediasource.com learn more about the florida bluegrass classic taking place for about a whole week in brooksville florida february 18th through the 24th more february fun for you february 22nd through the 24th in homa louisiana it's the bayou country mardi gras taking place homatravel.com the website to learn more homa definitely in cajun country and mardi gras is taking place i think we found out that mardi gras the fat tuesday and all that is going to be like the first weekend or first week of march so we got about five or six weeks of fun with mardi gras events going on in south louisiana and more in shreveport louisiana taking place on the 23rd of february it's the crew of centaur parade 27 and that's in Shreveport in Northwest Louisiana. The website for that is crewofcentaur.org. And that's spelled K-R-E-W-E-O-F-C-E-N-T-A-U-R.org. I do find it fun that there are Mardi Gras things going on outside of Cajun country in what I call Baptist country of Louisiana with Shreveport. That is, I know that in Natchez, Mississippi, for example, they also have a lot of Mardi Gras stuff and a Fat Tuesday parade and such. So it's not just in new orleans it's not just in cajun country in fact if you know anything about mardi gras actually in america got started in mobile alabama so congrats mobile for that our last february event is in curry north carolina that we want to tell you about and this one's right up my alley it's the anniversary of the battle of moore's creek bridge you can go to the website nps.gov slash mocr for more of this 
reenactment going on in Curry, North Carolina, the Battle of Moore's Creek Bridge. That's February 23rd and 24th. And that's a look at your Dixie destinations where all you can go check out things. Now, from WalletHub.com, they've got 2019's best and worst city for football fans. And I do have to take up a little bit of defense for this. They've got, I guess they don't kind of separate college and football, college and pro ranks here on this and their combined score. The best overall city for football is Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Boston's number two, Green Bay three, Dallas, Texas four. Now these all seem very much pro football related. So I'm, I'm not going to give these any more love. Let's go to the best college cities for just college football. The best ranking of cities for football fans. Number one, Clemson, South Carolina. Number two, Tuscaloosa, home of the University of Alabama. Number three, Fargo, North Dakota. That's the home of the, I think, six-time national champion, North Dakota State Bison. State College, Pennsylvania is fourth. Tallahassee is fifth. Boone, North Carolina, home of the App State Mountaineers. You're number six. Miami, Florida. No way is Miami number seven best college football town. You've got to be kidding me. Baton Rouge is number nine. By the way, we got LSU talk coming up big time in hour two. That's a listing of some of the top ones. Now, I'm going to go down to the bottom of this list, some of the rankings at least they have for cities for fans of football, college football to be specific. They've got Williamsburg, Virginia as the 30th worst state, or they're at least 30 on this list. Now, William and Mary fans, go Tribe. Yeah, you probably need to have a little bit better support of your team here lately. William and Mary suffering a bit. I don't think they should be 30th. I mean, they're behind Smithfield, Rhode Island. This this survey has Smithfield, Rhode Island, a place I've never even heard of, as the 28th best place for college football fans. So some research, I'm not sure what they were getting at here. The worst, they also have the best performing college football teams and the worst performing college football teams. And they don't put the school's name, they put the towns. But I'm going to tell you who these teams are. And there's a tie at the very bottom. At, at number 233 for the worst performing college football team, according to Wallet Hub, is Itabina, Mississippi, home of Mississippi Valley State Delta Demons, Jerry Rice's alma mater, the worst performing college football team in America. But they're in a tie at 233. And they're tied with VMI, the Kedats from Lexington, Virginia. I have a problem with that. Now, just above them is El Paso. UTEP had a horrible season this last year. And at 230 is Pine Bluff, Arkansas, home of UAPB. As some of the worst performing college football teams, which equates to towns. So a lot more. You can go have some fun with this. It's Wallet Hub. The headline is 2019's best and worst cities for college for, for football fans. And you can break it down whether you want to be more on the college side or the professional side. All I know is that wherever you are in the South and you're a fan of football, you're in good shape because at least you're not enjoying, and I put that in air quotes, minus 50 degree temps. So we'll take any abuse that Wallet Hub wants to throw our way because we're Dixie and we're dang proud of it. Stay where you are. Stay warm. 
We've got hour two right ahead, and we're going to talk about books, and we're going to talk about the Bayou Bengals of Louisiana State University. Go Tigers! Billy Gamilla's coming on to give us the lowdown on all things LSU. That's hour two. It's up next with the Y'all Show. Talk with a Southern accent. And now, a quick comparison from Grasshopper. When a client calls, what do you want them to hear? Your personal voicemail? Hey, you've reached Greg's cell phone. Um, I'm away right now, <laughs> obviously. Uh, leave a message and maybe I'll get back to you. Or something a little time. more buttoned up, courtesy of Grasshopper. Thanks for calling Green Landscaping. To make an appointment, dial 1. For billing, dial 2. To speak with Greg Smith, dial There's three. no contest. Put your best voice forward with Grasshopper, the virtual phone system for small business. Try it free at grasshopper.com. There's never been a better time to switch to Sprint Unlimited and enjoy a great wireless plan at an amazing price. For a limited time, make the switch to Sprint and get your third, fourth, and fifth lines free. That means five lines of Unlimited for just $20 per month per line. That's a savings of more than $1,000 your first year over Verizon and AT&T. Hurry to a Sprint store, visit Sprint.com Unlimited, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Make the switch to Sprint today and get your third, fourth, and fifth lines free. That's five lines of Unlimited for just $20 per month per line from Sprint, a network built for Unlimited. This is a limited-time offer, so act now. After 131-2020, pay $32 per month per line for five lines of Unlimited Basic with AutoPay. Savings compared to Verizon Go Unlimited and AT&T Unlimited and more for five lines. Features differ. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Subject to credit and $30 activation fee. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Welcome back. It is our two y'all show with your host, the general John Rawl. And we have all things Southern coming your way. We've got this second hour of our all Southern program lined up here now for you in a nice professional way. You don't want to miss out on it. We're going to talk about books here in just a sec. And then later this hour, Billy Gamilla of the website and the valleyshook.com. That's an SB nation site that covers LSU sports. And Mr. Gamilla is going to be our special guest direct from louisiana he's going to talk about lsu basketball ranked in the top 20 right now and we'll also talk to billy about that great lsu football team a team that went out and won the fiesta bowl against ucf this year and we'll discuss what's going on in terms of lsu football recruiting is coach O bringing in the talent this year is lsu going to finish maybe even the top five of college football recruiting in 2019 remember signing day 2019 part two that is of signing day this particular sports year it's taking place on wednesday february 6th so just a few days away from when kids the the ones that still haven't signed they will sit there and put on the hat they'll do the hat trick and they'll decide where they want to go and coach O, coach ed our home of hometown of la rose louisiana, louisiana right on bayou lafouche it's his time to do what he does best he's a great recruiter and he's hoping that lsu is going to indeed bring in a lot of great talent in just a few days if they don't have them already on campus or already inked back in december so that's coming up lsu talk and we'll also talk to billy about some lsu baseball believe it or not baseball season is now two weeks away 
In fact, two weeks from tomorrow is opening day for LSU. We'll talk to Billy about that, and all the other college baseball programs are essentially getting started two weeks from tomorrow. So a lot of fun. We'll talk LSU, one of the great programs in the SEC. We'll have our SEC spotlight with a little purple and gold spotlight, too, on this Thursday Y'all Show. Now on the Y'all Show, where you can reach us here anytime, 803-816-1170. That's a text number. That's a telephone number. You can call and share your thoughts, questions, comments, criticism, praise, anything you got. We'll take it here. 803-816-1170. It's time now on the Y'all Show for By the Book, where we look at new offerings available in hardback that you can go read and learn so much about whatever the subject might be that's the great thing about books they you know they've kind of been around a while i don't know if you know that or not they actually predate the world wide web uh, who, who who knew but yeah there's some good books now there have been good books and here on the y'all show we love to take a little time out from time to time and talk about books and authors and we try to try to feature southern literary stuff if we can our, our great southern writers but here this week we're going to kind of look at what's going on nationwide some of this may have a connection to Dixie, including the very first book I'm going to talk about. It's the number one bestseller for the combined print and ebook fiction, fiction category on the New York Times bestseller list. It's Where the Crawdads Sing from Delia Owens about a quiet town on the North Carolina coast in 1969. A young woman who survived alone in the marsh becomes a murder suspect. It's been on the New York Times bestseller list now for 20 weeks in a row and I, this this book, I, I, somebody hopefully has the movie rights because it's been a big, big runaway hit. Delia Owens is where the crawdads sing. If you didn't get that special book for Christmas, and your honey needs to get you something for Valentine's Day here in a couple of days, you might want to maybe share this podcast edition of the show. Or if you're listening to us on the radio, go go get them right now. Say. Hey, listen to that guy, John Rawl, talk about books. He just talked about a book called Where the Crawdads Sing from Delia Owens. And I need to read that. Hopefully, if it is a book you get for Valentine's, it's a very positive book and maybe spice up your love life. Hopefully, it's not a depressing book. Who wants to give that for Valentine's Day? Valentine's supposed to be fun. By the way, let me go ahead and tell you right now before I forget. Happy early Groundhog Day. Yes, we got Groundhog Day right around the corner. Number two on the combined print and ebook fiction list from the New York Times bestsellers is James Rollins's Crucible. Number three, The Tattooist of Auschwitz. That's a book written by Heather Morris. And I'm interested in that. It says a concentration camp detainee tasked with permanently marking fellow prisoners falls in love with one of them. Okay. A love story at a concentration camp. Could be a fascinating read from Heather Morris, anything World War II related, even the dark stuff. I mean, the the Holocaust was absolutely horrible, but boy, there have been some unbelievable books and even movies like Schindler's List that have come out as a result of the horrible atrocities of the final solution, as it was called, but the Holocaust and the Tattooist of Auschwitz, that book now out from Heather Morris. Another book on this list is Jill Chavez's Playing for Keeps. And the book Anonymous Girl from Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekanen, that is out right now in the combined print and ebook fiction category of the New York Times bestsellers. Now, 
A lot of these books show up in the hardcover fiction category, including Delia Owens's Where the Crawdads Sing. It's the number one hardcover fiction, as well as James Rollin right behind it with his book Crucible. Now, there's a few books that weren't on that previous list that I'm going to tell you about. Coming in at number four on the hardcover fiction list is Liar, Liar. Not the old Jim Carrey movie, but no, this is a book out by James Patterson and Candace Fox. Liar, Liar. Detective Harriet Blue has become a dangerous fugitive from the law as she pursues the murderer Regan Banks. Woo, that sounds like a good one from James Patterson with Candace Fox there and liar liar and mr novelist he's the modern day factory for writing books and writing bestsellers john grisham and his book that's been on the new york times bestseller list for 14 weeks is available it's called the reckoning a decorated world war ii veteran shoots and kills a pastor the reckoning from john grisham of charlottesville virginia via oxford mississippi via south haven mississippi via i think he was born in arkansas somewhere in east arkansas i believe maybe even west memphis i'm not sure exactly but forgive me all you folks in the natural state i don't know the birth city of the former mississippi state bulldog baseball player that went on to law school with the university of mississippi john grisham's the reckoning out right now now let's go to some nonfiction books for you the combined print and ebook nonfiction category from the New York Times bestseller list. No surprise here. Congratulations to former First Lady Michelle Obama. Her book Becoming has been on the list for 11 weeks, and it continues to do quite well as it's number one. The former First Lady describes her journey from the south side of Chicago to the White House and how she balanced work, family, and her husband's political ascent. Yeah, she's from the south side. But remember, Michelle Obama's got some good Southern roots in her. In fact, I think it's her mother. Maybe it were grand, grandparents, but I think it was her mother. Actually, is from Georgetown, South Carolina. So, yeah, she's got some Carolina roots in her, and I'm not sure where her father was from. It may be her father's family that was from Georgetown, but she definitely has some low country South Carolina roots, and her book is doing quite well. So, yeah, she has had a life outside of the White House, and She's a best-selling author, Michelle Obama. Number two on the nonfiction list from the New York Times bestseller list is the book from Tara Westover called Educated. The daughter of survivalist who is kept out of school educates herself enough to leave home for university. Tara Westover's Educated. That's been on the New York Times bestsellers list for almost an entire year. What a statement there. Stephanie Land's book, it's brand new this week. It comes in at number three. It's called Made. An unexpected pregnancy forces the author to navigate challenges faced by the working poor. That book, brand new, coming in at number three this week on the combined print and ebook nonfiction's bestsellers from the New York Times. The first conspiracy comes in at number four. It's by authors Brad Meltzer and Josh Minch. The story of a secret plot to kill George Washington in 1776. The first conspiracy. And again, this is a nonfiction category. This is not something someone just made up. So what an intriguing book there about our first president. But this predates his presidency. This goes back to the year of our independence, 1776, and a plot to kill George Washington. Who would want to kill George Washington? Well, if you read the first conspiracy, you'll learn all about just who might have had it up for the Mr. Cherry Tree Chopper Down 
guy if that's even a true story i'm still confused on that whole story which brings me to some humor you ready for some good raw humor this comes from my dad who i'm afraid to tell it because i'll probably butcher it but it's funny if it's told correctly and let me let me try to do my best retelling of this joke from my dad okay it's about telling the truth and you say well you know i'm i'm better than george washington and and you say well how's that he said well george washington couldn't chop down a cherry tree and i can and i won't so that's hopefully you laughed okay all right number five on the nonfiction list from senator kamala harris of california a woman that's been in the news quite a bit here the last couple of days and she's got a book out called the truths we hold a memoir by a daughter of immigrants who was raised in oakland california and became the second black woman ever elected to the united states senate do you know who the first black woman ever elected to the u.s senate was it was carol mosley braun is that right i'm hoping i don't mess her name up the woman from illinois she was senator back 20 years ago and i think i'm right on that carol mosley braun carol mosley braun and kudos to her her name is not hyphenated this chicago native carol mosley braun 71 years old now and she represented illinois in the u.s senate i remember the time she got into a little argument with jesse helms she was illinois senator from 1993 to 1999 how about that i knew that i knew the answer to that and she was the first black senator the first black u.s senator for the democratic party and the first woman to defeat an incumbent u.s senator in an election and the first female senator from illinois carol bosley braun and she was a yankee I and mean, she was born in chicago i'm only picking on her because i thought to be great you have to have some kind of connection to the south but to my knowledge she was chicago raised chicago resident now and the first black woman in the u.s senate but now the second one is there kamala harris of california who some people call her a term that i don't like to use that hyphenated term the politically correct hyphenated term and it's just not right It's, it's not accurate I don't use it for anything unless I'm quoting something that uses it. I'll say it. I call people that are of color, if they're black, I call them black. That's just, that's actually the way the AP style book says, if you know anything about journalism, that's the correct way to do it. If you know anything about Harris's background, she is the daughter of a native of the country of India, and her father was from Jamaica. And she also spent time growing up in Canada. So Kamala Harris is not a something, something, something. She's not a something American. She actually technically is a Indian, Jamaican, Canadian, American. There you have it. She may be the first, an Indian, Jamaican, Canadian, American. She was born in California, to her credit, and she's been in California. She was the attorney general for california prior to going into the senate a couple years ago but she's got a book out right now called the truce we hold and it's her book kamala harris and isn't it convenient that she puts out a book right when she's running for president and i've got news for kamala harris 
She better stay away from Florida and her campaigning. Do you know why? I've seen her campaign signs already. By the way, kudos. She had about 20,000 people show up in Oakland over the weekend when she announced officially she was running for president. But her campaign slogan is Kamala Harris for the people. Now, there's a lawyer down in Florida, Morgan and Morgan, that uses that same slogan. And I believe if I were Morgan and Morgan, I believe I'd have something to say to Miss Harris, Senator Harris, about stealing your slogan for the people. I don't know if they've got that trademarked or not, but they should have. And, and now that's her slogan for the people, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris 2020. She was just in South Carolina the other day. She's on the on the beat now trying to get up votes for president the 2020 election coming up sooner than later and that's kind of a glance of the new york times bestsellers hopefully you enjoyed that now i want to tell you about some books that may not be necessarily bestsellers right now but they're about to come out or they're out already and so keep in mind keep your eye open for these books of note first book coming out is a book called team of vipers and that's out by Cliff Sims. And the book is Team of Vipers, My 500 Extraordinary Days in the Trump White House. Now, I remember hearing about this. Cliff Sims kind of trashed the president the other day. The press, tra- President Trump was watching the interview and tre- t- tweeted back at Sims instantly, giving instant criticism of Sims in the book. My, my goodness. Yes, we know the president loves to watch his television, but... This man is in there. Now, here's something amazing about this guy. I knew he had a Southern accent. Cliff Sims, he was the CEO of Yellowhammer Multimedia, and that is a source for Alabama political news. And then he joined the Trump campaign in August of 2016. And upon the victory, he moved from the Trump Tower to the West Wing, where he crafted the White House's messaging. He now advises major corporations, CEOs, and media personalities on a wide range of public affairs and communication issues. And he's moved from Birmingham to Washington, D.C. with his wife and dog. And this book is out right now called Team of Vipers, My 500 Extraordinary Days in the Trump White House from Cliff Sims and Yellowhammer Multimedia. I know they had Yellowhammer News and... I think they had a radio show on 101.5 in Birmingham, The Source, which has changed in the last couple of months away from news talk and all that to more of a religious channel. And it's not booming out. It's a station you can hear all over the central and northern portions of Alabama, but that, that station is no more from, a, from at least a talk standpoint. But Team of Vipers out right now. Just hit stands this week. Another book. Speaking of some of the political stuff, we've got two one that I want to get to real quick. Chris Christie, I saw him on Charleston, South Carolina native Stephen Colbert's talk show this week. His brand new book that came out this week, Let Me Finish, Trump, the Kushners, Bannon, New Jersey, and the power of, I can't quite, Chris, when you, when you do a book, you need to use bigger print here. Let me finish Trump, the Kushners, Bannon, New Jersey, and the power of in-your-face politics from the big guy, Chris Christie of New Jersey. And this book is out right now. And he did a good – did you see that interview this week? I happened to tune in on Tuesday night, and and I, I assume it was real. He, Chris Christie, 
and Stephen Colbert literally were doing shots, I think, of tequila on CBS. I didn't even know you could do that. By the way, I got me something over here right now. I'm going to give me get a, sh- a shot of this sweet tea that's mostly unsweet. Let me let me give you the effect of a shot on live radio. All right, I just spilled that all over me. <laughs> all right, our last book that we want to spotlight here in our buy the book feature. It comes from a guy who already said he's probably going to run for president 2020, but he's looking to run as an independent which I'm saying, go, Howard, go. Howard Schultz, the former CEO of Starbucks, his new book, which just came out, is called From the Ground Up, and it is out right now, From the Ground Up, a journey to reimagine the promise of America. And remember, Starbucks, they've done some bizarre things in the last couple of years, a very politically correct organization. I don't know what this guy would be like. In fact, he's gone after Kamala Harris, last couple of days about her pledge to give health insurance to everybody medicaid for all and schultz has come out against that i think as a guy who's been a successful business person but he's got his book out from the ground up and that is a very brief look at some of the books available right now if you want to go pick up a good read or download it on your kindle or however you get a book these days we just hope you enjoy some of the offerings that you have to choose from we've got something for you to choose from after the break it's well not much of a choice if you don't like sec football we're going to have our sec spotlight we're going to talk lsu tigers billy gamilla from the website and the valley is our special guest after the break and we're going to break down lsu basketball lsu football lsu recruiting lsu baseball even is going to be discussed with billy all that ahead on the y'all show Go Tigers! And as they would say along the bayou, go to hell, Ole Miss. We'll be right back with more of the Y'all Show with John Roll. There's never been a better time to switch to Sprint Unlimited and enjoy a great wireless plan at an amazing price. For a limited time, make the switch to Sprint and get your third, fourth, and fifth lines free. That means five lines of Unlimited for just $20 per month per line. That's a savings of more than $1,000 your first year over Verizon and AT&T. Hurry to a Sprint store, visit Sprint.com Unlimited, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Make the switch to Sprint today and get your third, fourth, and fifth lines free. That's five lines of Unlimited for just $20 per month per line from Sprint, a network built for Unlimited. This is a limited-time offer, so act now. After 131-2020, pay $32 per month per line for five lines of unlimited basic with auto pay. Savings compared to Verizon Go Unlimited and AT&T Unlimited and more for five lines. Features differ. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Subject to credit and $30 activation fee. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply.
The great sound of the golden band from Tigerland here on the Y'all Show. This is John Rawl. This is our SEC Spotlight, where we talk about all things SEC on Thursday. And we go to our friend from andthevalleyshook.com. That's an SBNation.com website that covers all things LSU. Billy Gamilla joining us from Louisiana. Hello there, Billy. Welcome back to the Y'all Show. Thanks for having me. Happy to do it. All right. Hope all is well along the bayou. And we've got to talk about football for LSU. But, Billy, we got to talk some LSU basketball first because the Tigers continue to have a great season thus far. They're in the top 20. They're tied atop the SEC lead this week. And all things seem to be going well for Will Wade's ball club. But we noticed this week some news from the program as a senior guard, Daryl Edwards, is going to graduate and transfer elsewhere. What went into that decision? Well, he's he's missing, you know, kind of a big chunk of time this year battling an injury. And I think he, he decided he'd rather, you know, devote himself to his rehab and, and just try and, and find a spot where he can get a little more playing time next year. I think some of the freshmen that Will Wade's brought in this year and, and, and some of the other players – he, he's just you know, he, he's a, a good player and he's a, a kid, kid who's worked really really hard he, he just kind of gotten passed up and you know i, I don't begrudge him go, go find a chance to go play somewhere yeah now help us for all of us who don't follow lsu on a day-to-day basis lsu last year what was the resume for lsu last year because this year is a very strong resume um, you know, they, they showed, uh, I think, a lot of progress from where they were the year before, but they were still, I think, a limited team. Only had one real big time player in, in Tremont Waters, and you know he kind of carried them as far as he could. But he, you know, a, a five foot ten point guard can only do so much unless he's Allen Iverson, basically. So you know, they, they they struggled to close out some games, and they struggled to, to just adapt to what Will Wade wants from them, and. This year they've got a lot more talent. They brought in a, you know a top five recruiting class right away, and and, and those players are are yielding dividends quickly for them. Well, for those of us who don't follow LSU on a day-to-day basis, well, there's a reason why there's a little bit of amnesia for last year's LSU's basketball team. The Tigers were 18 and 15 in 2017 and 18. They went 8 and 10 in SEC play. They finished near the bottom of the standings, ended up firing the head coach, Johnny Jones, midway through the season or just when the season came to an end, I guess. And that's when they brought in the former head coach at Virginia Commonwealth, VCU head coach Will Wade ends up in baton rouge and man what a difference he's done yeah he's he's proved to be everything he was built to be you know most considered him one of the the young kind of up-and-coming future star coaches and he has very much done everything he set out to do so far we'll see if he can continue to build with this team and and you know what he can do in the tournament obviously because that's what you're judged on And, and tell us again what was the ranking for lsu basketball recruiting for his first year Oh, they pulled in a, a top top three or four class. That's what I thought you uh, said. Some, yeah. yeah, something like that with with, with some you know lo- pulled in some local talent, uh, and then a couple of, a couple of big names out of out of Florida and then up in New Jersey, Nazarene, who probably going to be a one and done type kid, big win- a big you know big six ten guy who's got a presence in the paint but can also shoot. Mm-hmm. And he, he's, you know, so far those guys have every bit, been every bit they, they were advertised to be. Well, things are going so well. As we said, LSU atop the SEC this year, ranked in the top 20. 
What about former LSU basketball star Shaquille O'Neal? Has he weighed in on this current roster of LSU basketball players? Not that I know of, but I, I know that, that Wade is very engaged in trying to to reach out to guys like Shaq, partly because you, know, you, you want to bring that interest in Frankly, you also want to bring their money in to try and, and see if, uh, you know, help build things, build new facilities and, and, and get things the way he wants. I know he's, he's made some noise about, um, major renovations to the PMAC, which is not a, not a, not a young facility. Uh, and that's going to be a tricky thing because of just the way it's on campus and, and just the way it's built. It, they're they're going to have to, to figure out some hard questions as far as what they're going to do with that down the line. Of course, anybody knows about the history of SEC basketball. It's easy to forget that teams like LSU have had some great history in basketball, going back to Maravich, to Shaquille O'Neal, and and LSU's a couple different times that I'm aware of that they've gone to the Final Four. And right now, LSU is certainly the eye of the tiger is pointing to March Madness 2019 and big things expected. Looking at the SEC right now, the Tigers tied atop the SEC standings with Tennessee and Tennessee and South Carolina had a big midweek game this week. The Sharks from Mississippi are just behind those teams. Mississippi State, they're in the top 25 and they're at 22 this week. Alabama is tied at three and three apiece wins and losses in SEC play. And they're, they're in the standings alongside Florida. Then as you get down toward the bottom of the standings, Auburn, Arkansas, Mizzou, Georgia, Texas A&M all are struggling, and Vanderbilt still having a tough time getting win. Billy, what's your thought on the other teams in the SEC that might can give LSU a run for the money for this title of the SEC this year? You know, I really want to see if Tennessee can can hold up hold up this pace over the course of the year. You know, that they've they've been they've been beating just about everybody, but I, I'm curious to see if that, how much of that's playing over their heads a little bit, and then if they they come down to earth some. Uh, you know, I expect LSU to certainly be in it down the stretch. I, I don't know if they've got what it takes if they're ready to win the SEC right now, but I expect them to be there. You know, be right there at the end. They're still. Uh, you know, we're used to freshmen doing big things in basketball, but they're still freshmen, and there's still going to be some bumps and bumps along the the way. I think that's to be expected. Billy, you got big plans on February 23rd mm, for Saturday morning, eleven o'clock Baton Rouge time. You got big plans February 23rd? Uh, no, not at the moment. <laughs> well, you better make plans. That's when Tennessee and LSU get together in Baton Rouge. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not up on my basketball. No, that's schedule. fine. That, hey, that's be, a couple yeah. of weeks away. We're not, that's in February, but I'm just, that's the only time these two teams meet in the regular season this year. So, if you want to catch these two leaders, at least so far in the SEC, they only get together once in the regular season, February 23rd from the PMAC in Baton Rouge. Now, looking at this Saturday's basketball action for the SEC, the Georgia Bulldogs host the South Carolina Gamecocks. It's the Egg Bowl in Oxford, at least basketball-wise, as MSU and their in-state rival get together at the Pavilion at Ole Miss. Florida hosts Kentucky. LSU, the Tigers we've been talking about, they've got Arkansas coming to the PMAC this weekend. Tennessee's on the road in College Station to take on the Aggies. The Auburn Tigers have the Iron Bowl of college basketball this weekend as Alabama is into Auburn Arena for a matchup. And the Vanderbilt Commodores, they're at Mizzou late Saturday evening. And that's a quick glance at SEC Basketball here on the Y'all Show. We'll go to a break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking with Billy Gamilla of AndTheValleyShook.com. We're going to talk some football. Yeah, we got some football news 
Ed Orgeron has hired someone from the New Orleans Saints on his staff. We also want to talk about football recruiting and all that and much, much more and get Billy's take on the SEC as a whole entering the 2019 season, perhaps. So don't go anywhere. Our SEC Spotlight with Billy Gamilla continues after this timeout. Purpose and L works when you have a cold sore and works when you don't. If you haven't tried this for cold sores, you're missing out. Purpose and L penetrates deep to treat cold sores. It really works. I apply it as soon as I have one. Purpose and L also protects against certain triggers caused by the sun and cold with added SPF 30 protection. I use it in the winter and in the summer to help protect against flare-ups from sun damage. Purpose and L works when you have a cold sore, works when you don't. Use as directed. I'd love to hear more. Do you have a card? This is it. This is when you can either let something happen or make it happen with your professional custom card from Vistaprint. Right now, you can get 500 business cards personalized the way you want them, starting at just $9.99. You pick the look, the style, and the statement you want to make in the moment. Now is the time to make something happen for your business. So own the now with 500 custom business cards starting at $9.99 at Vistaprint.com. Just use promo code 1414. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 1414. We're back on the Y'all Show, talk with a Southern accent, and this is our SEC Spotlight, where we take a look at the Southeastern Conference, and we've just given you a glimpse of the SEC basketball. Well, football is kind of a big deal in the SEC, and here as we talk with Billy from AndTheValleyShook.com, we're going to talk a little LSU football, if you don't mind, and some news coming from Baton Rouge the last few days as Coach Ed Orgeron has hired New Orleans Saints assistant coach Joe Brady as LSU's passing game coordinator and receivers coach now i want to get your take on brady's hire billy did you see this one coming and how if you're a saints fan which i assume you might be how big of a role did brady have in what went on with drew Brees and such you know to be honest i, I can't say that I, that I know a whole lot about brady's background okay. I, I did not see this one hiring we you know we kind of came up with our our guests on on who might might get get some interest and you do you, you expect coaches to kind of go with guys they know or or guys they have a relationship with and and it what I, what I didn't really see coming was you know Joe Brady's a guy that that LSU's coaches spent a lot of time with last offseason trying to kind of pick the Saints coaches brains regarding LSU's offense and they got a, they were really impressed with Brady and, and he was guy who was at the top of their list and looking into his background some you know, he's got ties to, to Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State he worked with under him at Penn State, and it's my understanding that Moorhead did try to bring him to Starkville. Uh, you know, either either when he first got there, or maybe in this most recent coach hiring cycle, and, and they couldn't quite come to terms. So he fits the profile, I think, of what LSU really needs, which is a younger, dynamic guy who who's got some some new ideas and, and is a little just more well versed in the offense that I think LSU would like to run. Uh, which is a little more of a spread offense, a little more RPO centered, and, and and make that work a little more with what they've got. Yeah, well, he is a relatively young coach. He played for the tribe of William and Mary back from 2009 to 2012, so he's only been out of the game himself for about seven years. Already had been to the NFL ranks, and now 
he is heading to Baton Rouge to be an assistant coach for Coach Ed Orgeron, Joe Brady, the latest hire for Coach O. Any other coaching changes in Baton Rouge in this offseason? Uh, not not that I expect right now. I think okay. there's, there's always possibility after National Signing Day. You know, coaches are still moving around, and some NFL teams are still are still filling out staffs, and you never know if someone might get a call and, and a chance to go go move up to the NFL. But as of now, I don't expect any. But, of course, you know, the cycle never stops, and, and sometimes you don't expect to move until a move happens. Yeah. All right, rewinding back to what happened in 2018 on the football field for LSU. The Tigers had a chance to go to the Fiesta Bowl in Glendale, Arizona, and they got a big win over UCF. And let me just tell you, on behalf of all of those in the South who aren't necessarily fans of the UCF Knights, Billy, thank you very much. <laughs> you know, it, it, anytime you can be the first team to beat somebody in 25 games, I, I don't care what conference you play in. It's really hard to win 25 games in a row in college football. So, so you know, that was a big win for LSU. It really was. All right. Well, they got the win and uh, a big win for Tiger Nation. Did, were you impressed with the LSU fans that made the long trip out to Glendale? I thought they had a little bit of a better crowd than I expected. Uh, it was probably more folks that were already on the West Coast because – you know, Louisiana and Arizona, that's an expensive plane ticket. Yeah, you know, certainly we, you know, my wife and I looked into going and we just really couldn't justify it. Plus, you know, the Tigers are going on the road to Austin next year to play the Texas Longhorns. And so I think some people were just prioritizing that trip a little bit more. Well, I was in Glendale about three days before the bowl game. And in my entire time of driving around the valley there around Phoenix, I never saw one LSU fan, which they might have been late arriving, but they did arrive, thank goodness. But I was worried there for a while that LSU might be boycotting this game just simply because the season wasn't a national championship type season and they were probably still upset about what happened in that Texas A&M game. Well, I think I think they were, but I don't know that, that the A&M outcome would have changed this because in the end, the SEC really wanted to get, get the, the SEC championship game loser into that Sugar Bowl. So it would have been Sugar Bowl or it would have been Fiesta Bowl. And you know what? The Fiesta Bowl was a new new location. LSU never played there before. You know, like I said, I was I was excited for the UCF matchup just because, like I said, it, it's you're, you're playing a high profile team that that's got a chip on its shoulder, and you know my, my enthusiasm kind of waned partly because LSU was just so banged up and losing so many defensive starters going into that game. I, I was really really worried that they'd be able to keep pace with a team that likes to you know throw the ball around and, and can score points the way UCF can. And luckily, they were able to hold on to it late and 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 get the job done well if you want to keep reliving 2018 well guess what billy and the staff of sb nation site and the valleyshook.com have just the article for you billy penned an article called what were lsu's plays of the year and you're looking for help choosing the 10 best plays of the 2018 football season i guess you're taking nominees all day all night well, we've got our about 20 nominees or so, and then we, we, we solicited our readership for some, and we, we've gotten one or two that we may, that we're, you know, considering as well. And we're letting folks vote on it, and we're going to look at the top 10 vote getters, and then, you know, our editorial staff will, will make some decisions on our own, and then we'll, we'll try and narrow it down 10 and, and pick those 10 best plays. And, you know, it was, it was a very good year and, and something to remember, and a, a lot of great, memorable moments. Well, Billy, I don't want to spoil anything, but what was LSU's worst play of 2018? Oh, gosh. Uh, or is that going to be a follow-up? Is that going to be a follow-up poll that you've got? 
<laughs> Probably not. I try to I try to move on from those kind of things. Okay. Well, what was the wackiest play? Oh gosh, pick pick one of the times that that they they beat A and M and had the referees overturn it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, take your pick out of that game. I think there was three different plays, including the Gatorade bath for Coach O. Uh, that, yep. How ironic was that with LSU involved in something like that? But yeah, you've got a great article. Invite y'all to go to andthevalleyshook.com. What were LSU's plays of the year? Pinned by our guest, Billy Gamilla. Now, let's talk some recruiting, if you don't mind, Billy. We're just a few weeks away now, really days away from National Signing Day Part 2. And in the latest rankings that I'm getting, I don't know if, does SB Nation get into recruiting and have rankings and such? We do, we do have some folks who follow recruiting on a national basis. They don't really get into the rankings so much. They right. do. Uh, participate in the you know some of the two four seven sports crystal balls and stuff like that, but we don't actually rank them now. We okay. just kind of go by the the composite ranking. Well, not that it means all that much, but speaking of twenty four seven sports dot com, they do have LSU currently the number eight ranked team for twenty nineteen football team rankings for college football recruiting. Alabama is one, followed by Georgia. The Horns of Texas, an opponent for LSU in 2019, they come in at three. The Aggies at four. Oklahoma five. Oregon six. Michigan seven. And LSU eight. Oh, by the way, the national champs from Clemson. The other Death Valley, the fake Death Valley, you might think, Billy. They're they're number nine in this poll. Yeah, it was funny. Was LSU was actually much much higher up during the early signing period, and they they've, they've redone some rankings and and moved a few guys down and, and moved a few guys up and, and LSU's class has dropped a little bit. But I, I, I'm, I'm expecting a, a nice close that, that should should add a few more ratings points on that list. Well, if you – by the way, a reminder because it was easy and it may have gotten lost in the shuffle of the actual season. Remember, late in the season, a press release was sent out that LSU, Death Valley West – and Clemson, Death Valley East, are going to be getting together in several years on the football field with a little series. So I'm excited about that. Oh, absolutely. Especially, you know, love those kind of home-and-home trips. And it's always great to, get to have a chance to go visit a new place and go see how, how, how the other half lives a little bit. All right. Well, what are LSU's needs that they, they're maybe still trying to get here in the closing days of football recruiting? How many spots do they have that they can sign? And what, what, are, you going to, what are we going to be hearing from Coach O? Well, there's six spots left. They, they signed 19 kids um, in the early signing period. I know they're really, really focused on trying to land a couple of defensive linemen. They've got some some kids from right there in Mississippi that they're recruiting. That and you know, along with, along with Alabama, along with Mississippi State, and there's a, a big defensive tackle from Amy, Louisiana. That that the subject of a very heated battle between LSU and Alabama. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if the Tigers can close out on that. After that, I think they'd like to add one more, uh, defensive back if they can, possibly a safety and then maybe another wide receiver or two. They're just going to try, I think, and fill those spots with the best players that they can get. And, and you know, they, they, for the most part, filled most of their needs. It's, it's really more about just trying to get those last couple defensive linemen because you're really never going to have too many of those. And those are usually the players that, have been the bedrocks of LSU's great teams in the past and of Alabama's great teams now. Billy, I don't know how much you get into politics here on the Y'all Show. From time to time, we've discussed the latest with the wall that uh, will or will not be built along the border with Mexico one day. 
Well, there was a time when there, it seemed like a wall was built around Louisiana. LSU had its fill of any in-state talent. And I remember five years ago, there was some kid from Monroe that decided to hey, he decided to take his talent to Tuscaloosa. And boy, that fired people up. And I just want to know, how much poaching are we seeing currently of in-state talent from Louisiana leaving really good talent that LSU wants and deciding to take their talent outside of the state to some other school? Well, that's been a big focus for Ed Ogeron is trying to reverse that trend. And he, he, he got a good start last year, and, and he's done a, a great job of it this year. It really kind of the difference between doing a good job and a great job will be that that big defensive tackle, Ishmael Sopcher. Uh He's a top 10 town at his position and he's from a town that that alabama's had some success in in recent years so it has some staff members with ties to so if lsu can reverse that course it'll have just about most of the top 10 players in the state with the exception of a few guys that that just didn't really fit what lsu wanted at their position so they'll have been a pretty good spot to 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 reverse that course this year of course you know you're only as good as your, your last recruiting class and Recruiting is one of those things you got to keep doing every year. So it's something that's, that, that's been a big focus for Ogeron is to, you know, close out Louisiana as best he can and then go from there. And so far, he's done that. Yeah. Well, no offense to Tulane. I know Tulane, you won a bowl game last year for the first time in a long time. So, yeah, but LSU probably still not too worried about the green wave at this point. Uh, one thing I want to ask you specifically in the terms of a position, Joe Burrow is going to return in 2019 as quarterback, and this transfer into Coach O's program I thought did a pretty good job in 2018. What's the recruiting strategy at quarterback knowing that Burrow is still expected to play in 2019? Well, they do have uh, Miles Brennan, the backup, who, who was able to get his redshirt year back after playing, you know, having some limited snaps as a true freshman in 2017 and, and i do think they view him as the heir apparent as of now uh they've got two guys committed for the class of 2020 who in theory will be true freshmen the year after burrow has, has finished his eligibility and then right now they've got a uh, they've got a signee from alabama named peter Parrish, who's a dual threat kid who actually won, uh, beat out uh, Tua Vailoa's brother Talia in the uh, state title game in Alabama, Class 6A. So they're hoping that that he's somebody who can develop. And really, the big thing and the thing that I think Burrow really helped them with is just getting back on track of, or just getting on a track. It's been so long since she was on that of not having every freshman quarterback who comes in being, you know, quote unquote, the savior and having to get thrown in that fire right away, being able to build up a little bit of depth and, you know, being able to actually have some time to develop people. And I think Joe Burrow is going to help them do that with Miles Brennan and hopefully down the line more so with the next group of guys coming in. Well, the Tigers get the season started on August 31st when the Eagles from Georgia Southern show up in Baton Rouge. That's the season opener. And Billy mentioned that game against Texas. That's going to be September 7th from DKR Stadium in Austin, and that will be a big matchup there. The Tigers, another game to mention, October 12th, that's when Florida comes to town in this rivalry game, the cross-divisional opponent. And then the Alabama game this year will be in Tuscaloosa at Bryant-Denny. That game will be November 9th when LSU and Alabama get together. And that's a kind of glance at the 2019 schedule. But August 31st this year is the day that LSU and Georgia Southern get the 2019 season 
underway. Billy, before we let you go, any other things exciting we could be logging on to andthevalleyshook.com and, and find out what y'all got going on there at that SB Nation site? Well, you know, we always stay on top of uh, LSU gymnastics. Gymnastics is a big deal in the SEC. It's got some of the best programs in the country, and LSU's always in the in that in that conversation. So we try to cover those girls and, and you know highlight the work that they do. And uh, you know, pretty soon it'll be baseball time, and then we're always on top of baseball. And by the way, LSU ranked number one in the country in the preseason poll. Yep, that's what we're that, and hopefully this year they'll they'll have a you know great shot at, get, at getting back to Omaha and and making some noise. And I'm going off memory here. I think their first opponent that day after Valentine's Day is ULM, and then they have Army and Air Force in Baton Rouge at Alex Box that same weekend. Does that sound vaguely familiar? Uh, that sounds right. I know that uh, pulmonary coach at Air Force a long time ago before he was at Notre Dame, and you know playing those schools is something that that that. He, he strongly believes in and i'm all i'm all for it good times in baton rouge you got a number one baseball team you've got a team in the top 20 in college basketball your football team just won a fiesta bowl and had a pretty good season so good times maybe and, and by the way it's is it mardi gras time already not quite but okay. we're, we're getting pretty close we're okay. getting, uh, mardi gras will be that first weekend in, in march all right i haven't looked at the calendar yet but it's coming up here uh, well, I'm saying, I guess it's uh, Mardi Gras. You said first weekend in March. So, yeah, it's that time of year, people. So, uh, yeah, all good along the bayou. Billy, thank you very much. And, of course, Billy's with the website andthevalleyshook.com. And we look forward to catching up with you again, Billy, down the road, sir. Thanks for having me. All right, Billy Gamilla. Well, that will conclude our y'all show here on this Thursday. We'll be right back here on the Friday edition with our Friday free for y'all. And we'll have many great songs and a lot of fun. You don't want to miss it. Have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to the Y'all Show with John Rawl. Talk with a Southern accent. And now, a quick comparison from Grasshopper. When a client calls, what do you want them to hear? Your personal voicemail? Hey, you've reached Greg's cell phone? Uh, I'm away right now, <laughs> obviously. Uh, leave a message and maybe I'll get back to you. Or something a little time. more buttoned up, courtesy of Grasshopper. Thanks for calling Green Landscaping. To make an appointment, dial 1. For billing, dial 2. To speak with Greg Smith, dial There's three. no contest. Put your best voice forward with Grasshopper, the virtual phone system for small business. Try it free at grasshopper.com. When I have a cold sore, I want something that works. Purpose&L penetrates deep to treat your cold sore, and it's enriched with lysine, vitamins, and lemon balm for soothing relief. But even when I don't have a cold sore, I still want something that protects against a flare-up. Purpose&L protects against certain triggers caused by the sun and cold, including flare-ups from sun damage with its added SPF 30 protection. So it treats and protects. Works for me. And me too. Purpose&L works when you have a cold sore, works when you don't. Use as directed. There's never been a better time to switch to Sprint Unlimited and enjoy a great wireless plan at an amazing price. For a limited time, make the switch to Sprint and get your third, fourth, and fifth lines free. That means five lines of Unlimited for just $20 per month per line. That's a savings of more than $1,000 your first year over Verizon and AT&T. Hurry to a Sprint store, visit Sprint.com Unlimited, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Make the switch to Sprint today and get your third, fourth, and fifth lines free. 
That's five lines of unlimited for just $20 per month per line from Sprint, a network built for unlimited. This is a limited time offer, so act now. After 131-2020, pay $32 per month per line for five lines of unlimited basic with auto pay. Savings compared to Verizon Go Unlimited and AT&T Unlimited and more for five lines. Features differ. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Subject to credit and $30 activation fee. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Long ago, you wouldn't think of galloping on a horse while doing calligraphy. And you wouldn't have attempted to ride your bike while typing a letter. Yet you think you can safely operate a multi-ton vehicle while texting? Behind the wheel is no place to multitask. If you want to BRB, drive now and text later. Lives depend on it. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. <laughs> 